fight recap, Overeem versus Volkov. Boom, stay tuned. You're listening to Bro Down Podcast all fucking day. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bro Down Podcast. I'm Andy Smith. I'm Tim Fulton. This is Fight Recap, Volkov versus Overeem. Tim only looks as tall as me because we have the cameras adjusted. So let's get right into it. <laughs> Had to point that out, didn't I, you? I did. I did. I am taller than you. Don't lie to the to, to the viewers. Okay, buddy. I'm all of six foot five. Yes, you are. In here. <laughs> In here. Cry through five seven. All right, which one you want to talk about first? Uh, let's talk about the main event first. We're going to be talking about Alistair Overeem versus Alexander Volkov. God damn it. Boom. <sighs> yeah. So can I give my honest opinion here? Go ahead. So I know I'm saying this as a couch warrior. I know I'm sitting in a chair. I Lying about your height. Lying about my height. I do not train for MMA, let alone UFC. So not at all. Just mm-hmm. working out in general. <laughs> so I know I don't have uh, a whatchamacallit in the fight here. Like, if my opinion really doesn't matter, but over him, just, his heart just does not seem in it anymore. And I know I'm saying that to someone who is a huge fan of Overeem. Yeah. So I I feel like that's fair to say that you are a big fan of Overeem. Yes. So yes. Honestly, do you think his heart is still in the fight? Yeah, I don't think it's I I honestly don't think it's about that. I don't think that his heart's not in the fight. I don't think that he's under motivated. Yeah. I think that he. It seems to me, sitting from the couch, that he is so good yeah. at what he does and he's had to he had to adjust his fighting style over the years because I think that he knows that he doesn't have a granite chin. Yeah. So he adjusted his fighting style basically he 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 barely throws any combinations. Everything's one punch. He's uh, going for the one hit. Yeah. And and he's so good at striking that he the first round is usually always a read, right? He just sits waits back Throws feints, see how the guy's moving when he throws certain feints. And then the next round or late in the first round is when he'll start trying to actually throw strikes. But he's trying to read before he just goes out there. He wants to kind of know because he's so good and he has so much experience that all those thi- all that stuff is getting downloaded to his hard drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he, when he fakes and, and, and feints a left hook or feints an uppercut, those little movements that come out of the other guy – He's he he's reading that. So when he actually goes to throw it, he's predicting where the guy's gonna be. I imagine like a little Jarvis in his head being like yeah. analyzing. Yeah, basically when you're at that level. Yeah. And because he I think he knows that his chin is is not what it used to be, and he's never been really known for having a chin to begin with, uh, all due respect. But um he the other thing that he also does is when he gets pressed against the cage or, or somebody starts teeing off on him. He really never fires back. He shells up so that he can see and kind of know the shots are coming and he doesn't get caught trying to counter. But he'll do that and basically make the other person nervous that a counter will be coming. And then as soon as they stop, he dips out. And a lot of times he'll actually turn his back. Yeah, he's, I noticed. He gets caught a lot doing that. I, I noticed that a lot too. And it's funny because you have mentioned this in the past about Overeem uh, with the slew of fights that we've seen him in. And – I remember you saying these things, and I don't know if I've ever, like, truly grasped, like, how heavy he does this. But, like, the amount of times he shells up, so to speak, in this fight particularly was – it was – it was – I don't say it was ridiculous. 
I don't I don't know how to phrase it because like I don't want to say like oh he's bad for doing this because obviously it's planned it's like his thing yeah because what it is he doesn't want to get caught flush yeah right? he wants yeah. he wants the shots in my opinion he's looking to take something off the shots yeah right so he's ex- anticipating the shots he knows they're coming and he's blocking them partially at least you know in the game plan so he's but, not going to get caught trying to counter with his chin up yeah. in the air because he knows he can't really absorb it, that punishment anymore. It's almost kind of playing against him though because he he shells up like that and he doesn't have the counter and I think everyone else is getting wise to that fact. Yeah. So you, you bring up a great point that I was going to bring up. But go yeah, ahead. so everyone's figuring out that that's kind of his game plan. So when he does shell up, yeah, he's protecting himself, but he's also leaving himself open to a certain extent. So now he's taking blows. Yeah, he's protecting himself from those blows, but he's taking more than he would have if he was a little bit more on the offensive. Yes. So I think with uh, you brought up a, an excellent point, which I was going to actually say was thank kind you, of a story for two the of these. What <laughs> I said, thank you. I am excellent all the time. That's true. Um, oh, with buddy. two of the fights that were on this card, I thought were um, really about what you said. Uh, people watching their their previous footage, yeah, and and coming up with a game plan. Overeem is one of them. Yeah, and part of the reason I say that is because he's had so many fights and he has not adjusted his style very yeah. much. Since he's adopted this recent, I would say a recent with probably the last eight years. And the other thing that he also does too is when things aren't working or he goes for a takedown, if you always watch his takedowns, and he's a very good grappler, super strong. Yeah. But his takedowns are very like, it's so hesitant. But if he gets a hold of you, he can get you down. But his shots I was gonna are say always so telegraphed. I was going to say they're slow. Yeah. They're slow. Which, and, which is a normal thing for bigger guys to begin with. But yeah, but it's at that level it's, you have to be careful. Yeah, it's not the fact that he doesn't have the athleticism though. There's hesitation. Okay. That's what it is. It's not like he's just not athletic enough to do the shot quicker. It's he's hesitant to. T- I think he's hesitant because he's worried about getting caught, or he's worried about um, you know, maybe he's just trying to faint the takedown. But there is so much hesitation in him. I think because of the knockouts and everything, which is very understandable. Yeah. But it it hinders his his vast ability so much that he his chin is fucked up and he can't take punishment because the guy's been in a fucking lot of fights, man. Like between kickboxing and MMA, I think it's over a hundred. That's ridiculous. Almost a hundred. That's he's, ridiculous. He's gotten stopped a bunch. Yeah. Like a bunch bad. Um so I can understand him just wanting to take the least amount of damage and get the job done. But when you don't alter your game plan, and you do the same things. Like, for most guys, if a guy shells up against the cage, you don't want to just drop your hands and start going at him, especially if you don't have him hurt. Because you're you're almost like thinking it's a trap. But Overeem has done it so often, and the tendencies that he's been doing for the last couple years haven't really changed from what I can see. And Volkov and his team, I'm sure, have watched tons and tons of footage on him. So... The fact that those things haven't changed, he's such a high-profile fighter. I'm sure they've studied this, which is why Volkov did open up a bunch when he was against yeah. the cage. Yeah, and he when did. When he shelled up. He did. And he busted him open bad, dude. I bad. mean, Overeem's got a lot of scar tissue, but this is also one of the only times that a guy that's six foot four fights someone that's a lot taller than him. Yeah, that, that was the other thing I was going to mention. Like, there was a huge height discrepancy here. Yeah. 
And the commentators uh, also alluded to the fact that Overeem's not a grappler by, by choice. Like, he will and can if he has to. But this is one of the first fights that Volkov hasn't really had to worry about getting taken down. So he's able to open up more with the stand-up. Um, so, yeah, it's I – don't, I don't know. I, I mean, Overeem was talking about going on one last run for the title before he retired. I, I don't want to see him fight just to fight. Because yeah. I think he's got enough money. I, you know, he's accomplished so much in the sport. I think that um, unless he plans on attempting to revamp a lot of the stuff that he does, and the thing is, when you're that much of a star, you're not getting easy fights, no. and you're also fighting in the heavyweight division. Every single person can knock you out. So, I mean, I'm not telling anybody what to do, but I, I wouldn't be mad if he if he hung it up. I wouldn't be mad. And that's a hard thing to say, especially as a fan. Like, like, yeah. Uh, again, we're armchair warriors or whatever yeah. the fuck the saying is. But like, you don't want to see someone get hurt just for the sake of getting hurt. Like, no, especially when he's been stopped that as many times as he has. I mean, he's yeah. still lucid. He still talks normal, but <laughs> he still talks. No, it's a real thing, man. Some, no, I I know. Yeah, I'm some, la- I'm laughing, and I shouldn't be. No, I know. No, I get it. But sometimes you hear guys when when they're still fighting. You start to hear, like, they can't string together sentences as fluidly. Maybe not a slur, but you can tell that there's some hesitation when they're speaking. Something's not quite right. Yeah, well, something's different. Yeah. It's just different. Yeah. And uh, I don't really see – I mean, I don't see Alistair doing a ton of interviews and stuff like that, but I don't see him really showing any effects. But, again, he's only late 30s. so I think he's 40. Or he might be 40. Yeah. Yeah, so um, – Good win for Volkov. It's always a good win to have a win over Alistair. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And here's the weird thing with Alistair. I think that if he continued to fight, I think he would stay in the top five until he decided to hang it up. Definitely the top ten. Because his, his chin has been – I don't. I want to keep saying this shit, but like he's, people have always been saying that his chin has been suspect for years. But he still pulls wins over top guys. So that's not – that's not a. That's not it's, really a part of the equation anymore. It's not a fluke. Yeah. Well, it's not. Yeah. It's. It's. He can still get the victories with that. It's not like he's relied on his chin to get him through fights. He hasn't. Yeah. He yeah. has. He. Yeah. He made this. This uh, game plan of his around the fact that he doesn't have an iron chin. So. I. Yeah. I don't know. All right. It's rough. Well, moving on. Speaking of chins. Yeah. Corey Sanhagen versus Frankie Edgar. Holy shit. Oh, dear Holy God. Shit. This is another one where I think that Frankie is such a high-profile guy. I mean, granted, Corey Sanhagen is a stud. Uh, clearly, he's showing himself to be above and beyond in this division. Yes, but I think that there's so much that Frankie, so much footage, because Frankie is known for a guy that goes five rounds. He goes the distance. There's so many hours of footage on him. And especially if Sanhagen probably knew he was going to fight him at some point in time, they're studying his tendencies. They're studying what he does. And they're looking at what Sanhagen does, does good. And one of the things that Frankie does is he does tend to dip to the right side when he goes in. He used to do this thing where he would throw, either throw a jab and kick the right leg or he would throw a, a right straight and kick the left leg to kind of like throw you back. So he would throw a jab. And almost push your shoulder and grab your right, uh, your left leg for taking yeah, single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it would look like he was throwing a strike. So he would get guys with it all the time. Guys got smart to it. But 
he does have a tendency to come in and lean down towards his right side when he strikes. And Sanhagen clearly had studied his footage. Yeah, and, and he, he knew what he was doing. And he led him into the trap too. It yeah. was it wasn't just like oh, he caught him on that spot. Like he was leading him in to do this maneuver. This is the same thing that happened to uh, Ben Askren versus. Uh, yeah, they were talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the same exact scenario where it's the. The, he was just, he knew exactly what was going to happen and he, he played it exactly the way it should be and i would love to see this fight again it's not going to happen no. i would love to see this fight again with that knowledge in everyone's arsenal now because mma math like i just want to see what what would have been yeah but like you you have to give it to Corey Sanhagen like he played it perfectly he, it's nothing it's not it's not a it's it's a fluke but it's not a fluke that's that. It, yeah. That's the perfect way to put it. It's a fluke, but it's not a fluke. And the difference, it was, and they were talking about this on the the commentary team. Yeah. When they were talking about, uh, you know, Ashburn had the knockout and he had the knockout because they're both flying knees. We don't see a whole lot of flying knees. No. no. But the one thing that they were saying, which I agree with, is that they were different in certain ways. Um, Jorge Masvidal's knockout over Ben Askren. He knew that his tendency was going to be to shoot on the get go and to charge him. So that was a pre-planned thing. Yeah. And I'm not saying this wasn't pre-planned, yeah. but the difference was that Sanhagen had a step this time. Yes. Sanhagen was basically, yes. they kept saying he was drawing him in, which basically means he was he was doing things that were making Frankie come in a certain way and in a certain pattern. So when Frankie would come in with the jab and dip his head, he was pulling him further and further into doing that, and then he would wait until he saw the initiation of that combination coming and then he threw the knee knowing that that's where his head was going to be and this is where the intelligence of the sport comes in because a lot of people i mean i'm, I'm probably talking to a bunch of people who love mma so like i'm not speaking to anyone who i'm not going to change anyone's minds here but i'm going to fucking say it anyway because my podcast so go suck my dick go for it. uh this is where the intelligence of the game comes in. Everyone thinks it's a brutal sport. Everyone's just out there punching each other until someone gets knocked out, which is kind of sort of the case, but it's not. Yeah. It is a fucking chess match. It 100% like if Corey didn't realize that from the get-go, if he didn't play this exactly the way he wanted to play, if he didn't lead Fred, uh, Frankie Edgar into the positions he wanted to play him into, he wouldn't have gotten that high knee strike, and then we would have had a completely different match. I would have liked to see that other match just because I'm a curious guy, but not to take it away from Corey. It, it was a perfectly played match, and it that's kind of what makes this sport so beautiful is because, like, you can look at people on paper all the goddamn time, but you don't know who's stepping into the ring. You don't know what game plan they have, and that changes everything, and it's what makes it so exciting. That's, that's the, the one thing about combat sports, particularly MMA because of the small gloves and the high, the higher knockout rates, um, is that you can have two guys that are, like, really, really good, and they basically um, have a flash knockout like this. Yeah, yeah. And they could fight ten more times, and that could never happen. Yeah, yeah. And we won't ever get to see it. E exactly. And that's the prop. That's a weird thing where— It's, it's both good and bad. Yeah, it, like other— organized sports like you know somebody could get you know uh, a pick six or you know a touchdown on the kickoff or whatever and then the rest of the game's got to get played 
Yeah. And then you see them come back. Or even like back in my heyday in wrestling, like, yeah, you might get someone who got a pin off of somebody because they were expecting a certain move and they knew how to counter it really well. But the, those same two guys, if they see each other in a uh, in a team match, they're going to see each other in districts. They're going to see each other yeah. in, in a slew of other tournaments. And they're going to adjust their strategy. And they're going to see each other for years. So it's always going to be a different match. Yeah, that might happen again. We may at some point in time see a Frankie Iger versus Corey Henke. Or, I, thank you very much. Uh, but it might not be for years. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see it again. I think Frankie's in if the twilight it, of his career. If we do, it's going to yeah. be a fluke thing. It's not going to be yeah. anytime soon. But you're right. Yeah, but I do think that this is one of those uh, – the veterans have so much footage, and they're so good at what they do, and it's worked for them for so long that it's hard to adapt, man. It's hard to it's adapt hard. with sports, especially when, like, the young and up-and-coming guys, it's like these are their heroes. They've been watching them since they yeah. were kids. Yeah, yeah. So they, they know things about these guys from watching their fights that they don't even know they know. Yeah. Um, and they've – you know what I mean? They, they've – it's just hard. It's just hard. The yeah. guys got the younger guys got the youth on their side. They got the hunger on their side, and uh, yeah, it's it's a rough it's a rough sport. It's a rough. Sp- Speaking of rough sports, we're gonna move on to Michael Johnson versus Clay Guida. Yes. So, real fast, I just want to talk about surviving a submission because I feel like it's one of those things that goes underappreciated all the time. Uh, Clay Guida won this match. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. I want to give all the props to him that I possibly can. But it's the end of the third round. I think there was actually two and a half minutes left in the third round. Uh, Clay Guida got Michael Johnson's back, and he goes in for a submission, and he goes for the uh, uh, rear naked choke, and he gets it. I think he got it under the chin. He did did get it under the chin, and Michael Johnson fought it off fought it off and you know what he's not going to get a point for that all he gets for that is fighting a guy off your back you have some one of the most dangerous men in the world literally strapped to your back trying to choke you out literally and you fight him off for the sake of it and he had to have known at this point he's going to lose and you don't get anything for that so like in a weird way you shouldn't get anything for that because because clay guida got the submission he he should get the point for it but at the same time i just want to like give like my own little props to like people who fight that shit off you know what i mean like there's something to be said for fighting off this impossible position for the sake of it there's a lot of levels to what you're saying um ogres have layers onions have layers parfaits have layers you ever ask somebody you want some parfaits say hell no i don't want no goddamn parfaits um, and now we're being sued by DreamWorks. Yeah. So, <laughs> could you imagine? Michael Johnson's down two to one, two rounds to one. Yeah, I think it was in the third round that the choke happened. Yes, it was. And he knows he's not going to win decision. Yes, there's not much time left in the round. And it's very easy. The easy route is to get you know you get in the submission. Oh well, I'm that, already losing the fight, so might as well just get out of here a little quicker. Yeah. But the fact that he didn't mentally break. And he didn't allow – he did everything he could to get out of submission, and he did. Yeah. Um, shows that he still wants to be in there even when it's it's not going his way. Yes. And that is – excuse me. That is um, – it's very telling. 
mean, I think it's a super important mentality that you have to have uh, at that level because you know that you're down three rounds or two rounds to one going into three rounds to one at this time. He's down in that round as well. Yeah. So you know that you're not winning a decision and you're on your back and there's 30 seconds left. So you know you're trying to get up and knock him out. It's very, it's, it's not going to happen. It's um, a thousand to one odds. Five years it happened. Yeah. So the fact that he was doing it for the sake of being like, no, I, I came here to fight and win. So even if I'm not going to win, I'm going to lose as little as possible. And he, he was tired. Like, exhausted. putting, he was exhausted. You could tell right before the takedown that led up to that submission, he was exhausted. So yeah. he's not just doing this. He's doing this, like, with the last bit that he has. Yeah. I think you're right. He deserves a, people that do and go through that with defending submissions. Um, mentally, the, the victory that you have mentally, and, and I'll say this, if there is some kind of moral victory He's in his hotel room. And I didn't get submitted. It's just like, listen, at least I didn't pass. Yeah. At least I didn't pass. Yeah. I didn't quit. Yeah. Now, he don't have to say that to anybody else. He knows it, it, that he didn't quit. And it's, like, he knows he didn't give up when he very well could have, and nobody would have blamed him for a choke that's under the chin on a guy that has a gas tank the size of whatever the fuck is really big. Uh, and, <laughs> that's what she said. Um, and he doesn't tap, and he fights out of it. It's not like he got saved by the bell. No, he no. He it. fought out of it. He fought, and and that's that's my thing. Like I again, I don't want to take anything away from Clay because no. he won. He won this fight. He won a fair and square, and yeah. he did a f- amazing goddamn job for a guy who wears a ponytail. But oh. Michael Johnson, <laughs> I'm just saying. But Michael Johnson deserves a little credit for that. I think oh, we're I think we're in agreement. I think we're in agreement there. The other but. thing that Clay does, um, and he's one of those rare guys that has uh, an unbelievable. Ability to just go a hundred percent the whole fight. Yeah. There's that old saying that goes something along the lines of uh, somebody with really good cardio can beat somebody that's better than their skill level. Because okay. all you have to do is make them tired. It's kind of like the old adage, like if you're fighting a black belt and you punch them in the face really hard, they now become a brown belt. <laughs> you do it again, they're now a purple belt. So, but it's the same thing with uh, with cardio. I mean, you could have somebody that's a fantastic athlete. They could they they have unbelievable fast twitch muscle fiber, but once they get tired, none of that shit matters. It doesn't work anymore. And Clay has beaten, in my opinion, guys that are more skilled than him on paper and on resume because he's gotten them tired. Yeah. And Michael Johnson, known for having fast hands, um, known for for uh, being really powerful. Uh, you know, I, I think that Clay got him really tired. But also, too, what surprised me was how good Clay w- Clay's hands were. Yeah. Uh, they were really good in this fight. And I think part of that is because I don't think Michael Johnson wanted to get taken down. But at the same time, I uh, can't think of anything worse than fight. Yeah. yeah. Thing. I agree with you. Yeah. I think we're 100% on the same page. Yeah, we agree on everything. We <laughs> because we are always right. Yeah, we are. Any last thoughts before we sign off this bitch? No, sir. Let's close it out. You want to talk us out? I will. Uh, Let us know what you think about these fights in the comments down below. Don't forget to like and subscribe. If you want any of our latest podcasts, don't forget to check us out on any and all social media. Uh, We have an Instagram. We have a Facebook. Both linked down below. We even have a Twitter that we never, ever, ever, ever use. We might if you kind of like us. We probably won't notice. Uh, Don't forget to (laughs) go. 
We don't know how to use Twitter. Uh, don't forget to go to BrodownPro.com. We have a whole bunch of cool shit over there. I'm Talvin Andy Smith. We'll catch you guys next time. You're listening to Bro Down Podcast all fucking